This is the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root from CardsWire.com, the USA Today NFL Wire site, covering the Arizona Cardinals. And for this third show of the week, it is the second of our two Cardinals-Falcons preview shows. You heard you heard me and Seth give, do our preview picks and prop bets show uh, yesterday, um, or it, it would have dropped Friday, and dropping today on this Saturday is the preview show that I have with Will McFadden, uh, one of the hosts of the Believe in Falcons podcast and also a contributor over at the Falca Hall at one of SB Nation's NFL sites. So he's a, he's kind of a compadre of, of Seth over there on that network. Will, glad to have you on. How you been? Oh, I'm doing well, Jess. I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to talk about this bird-oriented matchup we got uh, coming up on Sunday. Yes, it is. Cardinals-Falcons, a, a, a matchup that... If we exclude the Cardinals' one playoff win against the Falcons way, way back, that is 16-16. and 16. So the winner of this game takes the lead in the all-time regular season series. And the Falcons have, they've done really well. I think it's four out of the last five they won, with the only win being in Kyler Murray's rookie season, uh, the only game that Kyler has actually played in. Um, which was I was a, at that game. That I was, was in, it was, was a wild game. That was a wild yeah. game. And it was one of the games you're like, yeah, Kyler's got it. Kyler's got it. <laughs> he made some big throws in that game. I remember there was one, uh, like Devondre Campbell just totally blew his coverage and it was like a 35 yard gain just over the middle. I think Matt Bryant missed. Did he miss an extra point to kind of, that was the difference. It was like 33, so. 32 or something like that. 34, 33. And I can, I can. Okay. I can pull that up. Let's go back to because it was after the Cardinals had started like oh 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 two and one or oh three mm. and one, and then they won a whole bunch. Of, they won three games in a row for. There's the Seahawks. They lost. Was it the Falcons? Was week five? Nope. That would have been. There we go. Thirty four, thirty three, um, and. Oh, no, what, oh, is that the Atlanta with under two minutes left scored what would have been the game with tying touchdown and the kick was missed. Yep. Yeah. Oh I, I like, gosh. I remember that so distinctly because, so I was with the Falcons <laughs> at the time and they played the Texans the week before that and they absolutely got destroyed by Houston. And this was 2019. Dan Quinn was starting to kind of like feel some of the heat and they decided to just make it a, a double road trip. And so they went out to, um, you know, right by Arizona State's campus. That's kind of where they practiced throughout the week, set up camp. So I flew out there to cover the team um, throughout that week. And, and we just, it was hiked Camelback Mountain. It was a lovely trip. And then it ended on the worst note possible, <laughs> which is like a it should bummer. should be overtime. A, what? The extra point? <laughs> exactly. And so it was just kind of a bad season really was starting to go downhill at that point. And, and you felt like, Ooh, this, this team's a little bit, you know, in the desert, they're snake bitten. Who knows? Like that's, that's kind of what the feeling was at that point. So I remember that game distinctly. So yeah. And Matt, so 
the quarterback situation, if we could just talk that, what is it just the ghost of Matt Ryan or what is it that it seems like this team overall has a lot of pieces in place? Um, the skill players got Tyler Algier, Bijan Robinson, uh, Drake, Drake London, Kyle Pitts. And it seems like, and for me, especially as we watched the team over the last couple of seasons, last season and a half, is you watch this team and you go, are they good? Yeah, they're good. Wait, are they good? That's kind of been how I, you, you look like they have the pieces. Arthur Smith's got some good things going. And you're like, oh, okay, they're, they're getting there. Oh, they're good. Are they good? This is kind of like my, my reaction to the Falcons is that they are, like the Cardinals for this year, I call, they're, they're, Early in the year, I called them a good bad team, and for sure. And basically, now I, I've been to the point where I say it's a bad team that's also a good team. Oh, sorry, defensively, <laughs> they're a bad defense that is somehow sometimes good. Are the I think the Falcons are a good team that's also bad. I think that's a fair way to put it. I, I think they feel like a a car that's got restrictor plates on at times. <laughs> And that's that's why I think you're seeing level of frustration amongst the fan base. And I mentioned Dan Quinn's seat kind of getting hot during that 2019 season. Internally, I still have a hard time believing that Arthur Smith is, you know, really on a hot seat right now. Like they're it's four and five. They've been in the thick of the playoff race really all three seasons he's been here, which is incredible given the lack of talent that they kind of had the first two years. This season is the really first season that he and Terry Fontenot have been able to build a roster that they they really had a big hand in in bringing because they didn't have any financial freedom the last two off seasons due to the contracts Thomas Dimitrov and and kind of the previous regime doled out and so this year three was always going to be highlighted a little bit as the year that you need to reach the playoffs the year that you need to win your division you know kind of reach that next step and it's interesting we've seen teams, I think, go about building their roster in two ways, right? The first is you try to land your rookie quarterback, and then you just use all of that money that you save from having a rookie quarterback, and you build up the team around them. The other is kind of the Eagles model, where you build up the team, and then you hope that you like find that missing piece quarterback, plug them in, and then you go from there. I think the Falcons are opting more towards that latter model, where they've used their draft picks, not to get a quarterback outside of Desmurder, but that's a third round pick. You're using your pre- premier picks to kind of get high offensive talent. And then they brought in a ton of defensive veterans this offseason. And you're seeing the impact that it's had on the ball. But the big question mark has always been quarterback, right? And yeah. last, last season, Marcus Mariota, the Falcons really, and I give Arthur Smith a lot of credit for this. They changed their offense and made it such a weird, unique <laughs> throwback <laughs> offense. Yes. Because I think they knew that the threat Marcus Mariota presented with his legs, you could just kind of have a, a higher floor of competency because that's an extra threat in the run game. It changes the math on defense and it kind of swings it in the offense's favor. They don't have that this year. And so I think you're seeing an offense that is, you know, has a lower floor at times. It does have, I think, a little bit of a higher ceiling. And we have seen Desmond Ritter prior to being benched. He was making some notable improvements. He was just turning the ball over way too frequently and at way too uh, critical of a time. And so now you enter Taylor Heineke, maybe try to raise that floor a little bit, even if it maybe lowers the ceiling of the team. And I think you saw a little bit more consistent play from the Falcons last week. 
but the quarterback situation is still the biggest question. I still don't think we've seen the last of Desmond Ritter, um, but that's kind of where the Falcons are at. It feels like a team that is the individual parts are actually better than the sum of the whole right now, which is not <laughs> yes. what you want. Right, right. So I think the move to Taylor Heineke and like t- Taylor Heineke to me is is an answer, but is never the answer. And do you do you think that Desmond Ritter still can be the guy? I, I loved him in college, loved him in college, but it's just been it's like what offensively the Falcons have done since he since he took over has been really it's been oddly uninspiring overall, even though a stat that I had no idea, and I couldn't find the stat anywhere. Jonathan Gannon said this week that that Atlanta is third in the NFL in explosive plays and yet still has this their offense like they've got some games and then other games that they're just not good offensively and is is that a result of the turnovers because I know that the turnover numbers are are really really they're jarring because they've had a turnover in in eight street games there's been multiple turnovers I think in five of the last six and there's a couple in there Mm -hmm. with three and that's just in the NFL that is the 90% of time that is your that is your basically your money stat Losing the turnover battle usually means losing games unless you have, unless you are a far superior team in many other ways. Absolutely. And I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. I I just, uh, our most recent podcast on Believe in Falcons went up last night and it was five stats that explain the Falcons four and five start. And one of those stats was, of course, the turnover margin. So I've got these numbers ready and handy to go right in front of me. Um, they are minus seven right now in, in turnover differential, which is second worst in the, uh, in the NFL. So, I mean, that right there, you're going to have a really hard time winning football games when you're minus seven. But they have nine takeaways, which is sixth fewest. So they're not turning the ball over as frequently as they need to. We've seen it in spurts. They had two fumbles last week against Minnesota. Jesse Bates started the season with three picks in two games. So, like, you felt that that was going to be a part of this defense. It just hasn't been consistently offensively 16 turnovers. That's the fourth most in the league. And you mentioned that they came in bunches. Jacksonville, two back-to-back picks on back-to-back drives. One was a pick six. That totally flipped that game and let Jacksonville take control. Washington, three turnovers in the second half, two in the fourth quarter, one on your final drive when you're kind of trying to make a comeback attempt, one when you're down there at the one-yard line, you have a delay of game that backs you up, and then you throw a pick on the next play because Desmond Ritter looked flustered that he was going to get a second delay of game. It's been kind of comical. And then this past week against Minnesota, late in the third quarter, again, a game that they weren't running away with, but they felt like they were super in control of. Bajan Robinson fumbles. The next series, Taylor Heineke throws a pass behind his receiver. It gets picked off. Ooh. Minnesota then takes control of that game, and we all know what happens from there. The magic so, of Josh Dobbs that we never saw here in Arizona. <laughs> no, that, honestly, that was Because you was guys incredible. didn't play. It was, it was either going to be Minnesota or it was going to be Arizona. <laughs> if Josh Dobbs was on this team still, I guarantee you we would see the same thing this week. So, uh, so here's the thing. Bomani Jones famously just says, you knew. He said that Josh Dobbs, if there was anyone who knew that could happen, it was Josh Dobbs being offered at Georgia, and that that's exactly what happens to the Falcons no matter what. And see, that's, that <laughs> is kind of why Bomani is a real one. As much as, as much as it seems like he is just crapping on the Falcons, he's not wrong. Like he, people who live here in Atlanta, it's, we know it. I mean, my... It's like he's, he's like, it's like crack you keep going to, and I don't know why I keep going back to him, because he let me down it's... every single time. 
So D- Dave Choate, the, uh, the editor-in-chief at the Falcolic, um, always pretty much starts like each Sunday saying, gird your loins on, on Twitter. <laughs> and that's that might as well, instead of rise up, the Falcons' official slogan might as well just be gird your loins because it it's what happens every single week. Like when, when uh, Scott Hansen on NFL Red Zone calls it the witching hour and it's just basically the start of the fourth quarter for all these one o'clock games, all four quarters are the witching hour for the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, they... they <laughs> They find ways. Will Levis having a career game, you know, against them in his first start. Josh Dobbs doesn't even know his teammates' names coming out there winning a game against him. So it's it's one of the reasons I'm a little afraid of Kyler Murray coming back. Like, yeah, he's a bigger name, but like they they don't have any film on him. They don't have whatever. Uh, a discombobulated offense can be a scary offense anytime they're playing Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. So. What are the things we've talked a lot about of what they what they've struggled with, but what are the things that they do well offensively um, and what are the things that they do well defensively? Yeah, offensively, I mean, I think they have done a better job of expanding um, their their capabilities, right? Coming into the season, everybody expected them to once again be one of the run heaviest teams in the NFL because that's what they were last year. Well, people forget that in 2021, Arthur Smith's first season, they were one of the pass heaviest teams in the NFL. So this is an offense that is capable of changing, not just year to year, but week from week to week. And that's kind of what we saw under Desmond Ritter in kind of the final few games before he was benched. And he was benched because of those aforementioned turnovers, right? I didn't even mention Tampa Bay, three fumbles, two of which came at the one yard line. One was on a snap on a first and one at the one yard line or first and goal, I guess the one yard line. And then the other was Desmond Ritter running the ball into the end zone and just kind of lets up a half second. Like we've seen so many players do just kind of <laughs> trots into the end zone. Like Antoine Winfield Jr. No. Pops the ball out. Yep. And it's, it's a touchback instead of a, a touchdown. And so these are the areas where like they need to get those cleaned up. But outside of that, they're moving the ball. There's a reason why those fumbles came at the one yard line because they are kind of matriculating the ball down the field. But as you're, uh, stat earlier reference like they are getting some explosive plays Johnny Smith had a 60 yard screen touchdown the against Minnesota so they are not just a run oriented or attack anymore they are finding ways to move the ball through the air much more consistently they're getting a lot of different people involved whether it's Johnny Smith who I just mentioned Kaderil Hodge it's not just Kyle Pitts or Drake London frankly it's not enough of Kyle Pitts uh, for a lot of people myself included but that is something that I do think if if the turnovers were not occurring, we would be talking about Atlanta's offense as a, a group that has kind of taken that next step. It's just that the turnovers have prevented that. Defensively, I think you're seeing a unit that's playing really, really connectedly and, and really well. I Grady Jarrett done for the year, and, and that really sucks and that hurt to see. But you saw the defensive line respond in a huge way. David Onyemata, 10 tackles, uh, a sack, a forced fumble. Calais Campbell, a sack, a safety. Um, Arnold Evacati, a forced fumble, Lorenzo Carter, fumble recovery. So you're seeing the unit really play strongly, and that's also affecting the back end, where the secondary is is playing really well, shutting down guys. D. Alford in the slot had kind of some missed tackles that were glaring, but by and large, he's played really well in his first season as a starter. Jeff Okuda looks much more like that um, third overall pick instead of the guy that we saw once he entered the pros in Detroit. And then A.J. Terrell has kind of been up and down a little bit, but the times that he's been up has been awesome. Um, And so you're hoping that that's a little bit more consistent. And then Jesse Bates on the back end, like his leadership really brings it all together. So defensively, there's not maybe one stat like 
turnovers or sacks or anything like that that jumps out at you. It's just that they they never seem to be super out of place. They never seem to be just on their heels. They always seem to be dictating to their opponent kind of what's going on, and that's been refreshing to see. And you look at the personnel uh, that you'll kind of look at the roster and how things are put together. You like the edge guys that they've got. Um, Ebiketti is a guy that I really wish the Cardinals could have. His athleticism is absurd. The back end looks really good. With Jarrett out, is that interior? Like you said that people have stepped up. Is the weakness at the in the middle of the field then? The Falcons have traditionally gone through and had super, super, very productive linebackers. It seems year after year they're like, let people go, let people go. Is this year the difference? Is that where the weakness is defensively this year? At the linebacker position or, or just kind of like up the middle in general? Well, the, whether it be with Jared out, the defensive interior and the and the middle of the field with the linebackers. I mean, yeah, it, it it could be. Like, I think that we will we'll have to see. The Vikings tried that approach, right? And they were pretty abysmal running the ball, but they, <laughs> they've been abysmal running the ball all season long. So it's it's a little bit, all right, chicken or egg type of deal. Um, the Falcons have done a very good job limiting opposing run games. They were touched up the first two games of the season against Carolina and against Green Bay. But since then, they've done a very good job. Now, Grady Jarrett had a a big hand in that. They brought in Contavious Street, um, traded for him from uh, Philadelphia. He was in New Orleans last season with uh, Falcons defense coordinator Ryan Nielsen, who was the Saints defensive line coach for a long time. We saw in in Street's first game, he recovered one of the fumbles, right? It popped right into his hands. And so it was kind of like, oh, hey, look, welcome to Atlanta. Make a big play. And that that's nice to see. I think that the fact that he has experience with Ryan Nielsen means that he's probably come in and hit the ground running, knows what to do. He's played with David Onyemata, who I mentioned, and he's having a great year. So I think it's a little bit of a, a time will tell what streets, you know, how big of a drop off that is from Jarrett to to street. But the Falcons linebackers, they do a really good job, I think, of defending the run because they they all are kind of single gapping. The linebackers are running downhill to their fits. Um, and then they use their safeties kind of to confuse things on the back end, and they run a lot of different simulated pressures. So sometimes you'll see Caden Ellis, another former Saint who is playing well in his first season. He's going to look like he's blitzing that A-gap. He's going to drop. Maybe then um, you get Nate Lamon, their other linebacker, who is a backup, uh, filling in for Troy Anderson, who was lost for the season in week two. Um, but he is Nate Lamon has played incredibly well as an undrafted player who you know they have high hopes for. But they're, they really just want to confuse the quarterback. They want to confuse the offensive line and kind of by extension the running back and fill these gaps hard, make the tackles in the backfield. It's really the missed tackles. That's when you see, but that's with every team, right? Like when right. you miss a tackle at the line of scrimmage and you're playing a one gap and that gap then becomes free because you missed that tackle, it's going to be a little tough to live that way. And we've seen some teams, if they break through that first line for Atlanta, they can then kind of go and get 12 yards before the next guy brings them down. Um, but by and large, I, I've been kind of impressed with Atlanta's linebackers and especially their run defense kind of right up the middle. Coming up next on the Rise Up Seward podcast, the best of Cardinals talk a little bit. Let's move on to the next segment where we talk about this game specifically. Uh, matchups, keys. That's coming up next on Rise Up Seward. We're back on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, best era of Cardinals talk on the web with Will McFadden from the Believe in Falcons podcast and a contributor over at the Falcoholic. Um, Will, let's talk about this game in particular. You talk about how they've been pretty good against the running game, 
overall the last two weeks though and and i know that in, in last week a lot of that came at, from dobbs himself and his 66 rushing yards but over 140 yards 140 or more yards allowed in each of the last two weeks, which is that's kind of the money stat that we look at for on the Cardinals side of the ball because what do the Cardinals have to do to be successful offensively this year? And it's been run the ball. They're getting James Conner back. And Kyler Murray returns to the lineup. And while one of our questions is how much will he be used in terms of his mobility and running the ball, Gannon has kind of said that we're going to use his whole skill set. And when you say that, you cannot ignore his ability to move. And whether that will come a little bit slowly early on, but we look at that and like Atlanta, who's done really well against the run most of the season, but the last two weeks and a couple of losses, those numbers have gone up. Is that a, is that an anomaly is that the adjustment to to Jarrett being out, or could the Cardinals, between Connor and Rondell Moore, you know, those trick type plays or little special plays, or even just running the ball out of the backfield and Kyler Murray, be able to take advantage of that? I I think so, and I think that's the right way to approach this matchup. Right. When you look at certainly with James Conner coming back, um, if you look at the strength of the Cardinals, right, they're fourth in the league right now in, in rushing yards per play, uh, just a tick under five yards uh, per play rushing. So, I mean, that's that's crazy and that's a great place to start. And then when you look at the most previous matchup for Atlanta, I mean, Josh Dobbs and his legs won that game for them. And now you've got a player who is much you know better known for using his running ability in Kyler Murray. And so I have to believe that as the Cardinals are, are looking at that film and they're kind of preparing for this week, you know, I, I think that it's not a coincidence that Kyle Murray is, is kind of back and, and that that was the quote that Gannon gave because it would make a lot of sense to stress Atlanta horizontally by getting Kyler on the move. Hopefully you bring up maybe some of those defenders on the exterior and then maybe you hit something behind them. But I wouldn't be shocked at all if, if the Cardinals really try to dictate to Atlanta first and foremost on the ground. Right? You get James Conner going in between the tackles. You get a Rondell Moore kind of stressing the edges. You get Kyler on these boots and fakes and get everybody flowing and running for Atlanta's defense. And then you plan to make those shots kind of behind them. That is something that would concern me for sure if, if I'm an Atlanta uh, defensive coach because until you prove that you can get the quarterback down in open space, that that is a great way to attack this defense because you saw a player who, again, five days with the team, doesn't really know any of his teammates' <laughs> names, certainly doesn't know the play, and that was successful for them. So imagine putting a, a better athlete back there who knows this offense. I, you know, I know it is a new offense and that he has been injured, and this will be kind of his first regular season game actually running the show, yeah. but still, he's going to know what he's doing. He knows uh, Hollywood Brown's name. He knows who James Conner is. <laughs> he knows these guys. So I, like that is 100% what I expect to see from Arizona on Sunday is a heavy dose of the run and a heavy dose of play action and rolling out and getting Kyler on the move. How will the back end use? Are, are they more of a follow or are they more a side when it comes to matching up with Michael Wilson and, and Hollywood Brown? Historically, the Falcons and AJ Terrell have been more of a side um, defense where AJ has usually played the left side of the defense. However, this year, again, Ryan Nielsen and, and Jerry Gray, uh, long time, defensive coach uh, stops like Green Bay, um, Cincinnati. So he is really well-respected 
for what he does in the secondary. They have kind of adopted more of the the Saints aggressive physical. We're going to play up close to the line of scrimmage, get our hands on you, and, and they move guys around as well. So they've shadowed a little bit more. You'll see Jeff Okuda mirroring his guy. You'll see AJ Terrell mirroring. But I also think they kind of mix and match between those. So I don't think that you're necessarily going to see, okay, AJ Terrell, you just have Marquise Brown and that's it. You know, uh, Jeff Okuda, you just have this guy and that's it. Like they're, they're going to probably swap them th- some things around because that is part of the design of Atlanta's defense. Atlanta wants to give new looks on every single snap to the quarterback so that he just kind of doesn't get a read on what's coming or even, Hey, this is a matchup that we like. They're not going away from this matchup. So we're going to just pepper this to this guy. Um, I, the Falcons don't like to make it that easy on offenses. <laughs> um, it, if you look at, so the Cardinals have a major concern with, with availability this week with their offensive line. Um, right now, left tackle DJ Humphreys, uh, left guard uh, Tristan Cologne, right guard Will Hernandez. It looks like all three are probably going to miss this game. You got Calvin Beecham who will play left tackle. You feel okay with that. Dennis Daly at left guard. The truth is that they've that left guard position, the three days that they've, they've had Elijah Wilkinson, you know, former Falcon last year, he he started the first yep. half of the season but wasn't that great. Cologne took over for him. He got hurt. It's Dennis Daly who played left tackle all last year for Tennessee. Wasn't good at all at left tackle. But at left guard, though, it kind of feels like all three of those guys are more or less the same. There's no real drop-off. <laughs> Right guard, that's a really big concern because Will Hernandez to either Keith Ismail or Carter O'Donnell. Um, O'Donnell, who was active for the first time last week and had, what, I think 17 snaps. Hmm. I think might be the first. Thing. And then Keith Ismail, who's started some games at center for Washington. Who's who's the guy that will be on that that defensive left side more than anything? It's going to match up there against the center and, and right guard. Yeah, that would probably be, I mean, they, so that's talking about like an odd or an even front and they'll like the three technique versus the one technique. That's part of the reason why I think street was the guy that the Falcons decided to bring in because you had that interchangeability between Grady Jarrett and David Onyemata. Both could play that three technique, both could play that one technique. So it allowed you to set your defense kind of a little bit. Um, And I, I think that you'll see them still be interchangeable there, but you mentioning all of the, kind of offensive injuries. What I think that's going to lead to from Atlanta is something that they do really like to do. And and those are the simulated pressures that I talked about. You're going to see, you know, even though Lorenzo Carter and Bud Dupree and Arnold Evacati and these guys are all listed as kind of defensive ends, they're they're kind of like hybrid edge players in a 3-4, even though this is a little bit more of a 4-3 look. So the Falcons never mind, you know, bringing two linebackers and then they'll drop their two guys. And then you've got two a gap blitzes and, and then your defensive tackles kind of become your edges. Like they will get interesting and test this offensive lines, communication skills, test their familiarity with one another, their ability to pass guys off. So it's not so much that I think the Falcons are going to, you know, isolate a cam Jordan or somebody and say, we're lining you up over this weak point and you're just going to run into it until it gives. They're going to really, I think mess with the, the cohesion and the communication of the line, knowing that they've got a few of those key pieces missing and see if it's a game of telephone, see where that communication breaks down. And can you get a free runner coming at Kyler Murray? The Falcons have been able to do that. They've done a good job. They had some looks against Josh Dobbs, 
It's just that they have to execute and bring the guy down when they get that free shot. And against Kyler Murray, that's no easy task. No. Well, hopefully not. <laughs> that's the part. Hopefully, like you, he's coming back and looking good or even looking better. Uh, what are what are matchups where you like the Falcons in terms of advantage? Yeah, I, I think that you'll see Drake London um, have a big impact in this game. You know, I, I know that Arizona's secondary has played you know, well, at times I think a lot of that. Been, ooh, yeah, really I was going to say, I, I think so we'll I attribute that more see, to the safeties. Um, Antonio Hamilton will probably uh, draw him more. Um, that's that's the guy they've tended to use on the more, the the bigger, more physical guys. Yeah, and, and I think Hamilton has, has done okay. Like, he's been like league average to me. I, I think Wilson on the other side is is a little bit more of that matchup that you look to. So maybe a guy like Van Jefferson, although he has not popped for Atlanta um, so far since they acquired him. Kadero Hodge is a guy who, if you're talking about Taylor Heineke being the quarterback for, you know, a majority of the season, he's been working with those second team guys. So players like Kadero Hodge or Scotty Miller um, or Matt Collins, who has been on the injury report, not practice all week. So I doubt he'll be playing on Sunday, but that is why you're seeing, Kind of could Daryl Hodge be a little bit of a go-to guy over the last couple of weeks since Taylor Heineke has been in there? So he's a little bit of a sneaky X factor if Hamilton is is just shadowing Drake London and, and does, you know, take him away. But even if that's the case, like the Falcons are going to get their looks up to Drake London. He is a jump ball, contested catch specialist. So even if he's covered, the Falcons are going to put it up in a, in a spot where he can get it. And he's done a great job of coming down with those um, those balls so far this year. So that's kind of where I'm, I'm looking at it. It's a little bit counterintuitive, but then also you marry that with Tyler Algier kind of right up the middle. So I, I think you'll, you'll see the Falcons do less of the, we're going to run the ball on the edges and the exterior, which is what they've kind of liked to do. That's where Bajan Robinson has kind of done his best work. Um, even Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson, they can go around the edge. Uh, but I, I think you'll get a heavy dose of Tyler Algier kind of up the middle, and then we'll maybe see Taylor Heineke attack the perimeters and the boundaries a little bit more, which is kind of counterintuitive to Atlanta's offense. They like to attack over the middle, so I'm sure they still will find ways to do that. But when you've got Buda Baker and you've got Thompson kind of prowling the middle of that field, that's that's where I think you'll see them take their chances maybe on the boundary a little bit more and choose to attack the middle via the run. So that's that's kind of a matchup I like for Atlanta's offense. And what are the matchups that, that you are most concerned about with, with this matchup? I mean, you've already kind of mentioned the, the mobility of the quarterback being one. Yes, that, that is maybe my like number one uh, concern because I, that's, to me, the way that the clearest path to victory that I can see for Arizona is creating outside of structure because, you know, the, the Vikings had a, a great time creating out of structure against Atlanta because Atlanta's defense wants to kind of force the structure upon the offense and then make plays within it, like put a box around the offense and make them play within that. If you can escape that box and then get Atlanta scrambling a little bit, that is when they are in trouble. And that is when you've seen some explosive plays that frankly, other teams have not capitalized on. There have been some dropped passes. There have been some missed throws where guys were open in play action sets. So I think Arizona is definitely going to be looking that, have a game plan centered around something like that. And it does concern me that that's the case. Flipping over, though, to Arizona's defense, 
I've liked what I've seen from Zayvon Collins uh, in recent weeks. Like I, I know the production hasn't necessarily been there, but I, I just like in the snaps that he's in and when he is rushing the passer, I think he has juice every single time he, he comes again, whether he gets home or not is a little besides the point. Cause that's just life as a pass rusher. Sometimes you're, you're not going to get there, but when you do, they sometimes come in bunches and he could be a player that if, on Sunday night, we're looking back at the box score and it's like Zayvon Collins has one and a half sacks and two tackles for a loss. Like, I wouldn't be shocked because Atlanta's offensive line has been a little bit shaky in pass protection. Caleb McGarry, especially at right tackle, but Jake Matthews at left tackle as well has not been as strong as he has been previously. So I would I would look at, at Collins and, and Gardeck and, and some of those guys and say, okay, if, if they can get Taylor Heineke on the ground or make him uncomfortable, then that's another Pretty nice path, I think, to victory for Arizona. Coming up next on the Rise Up Series Red Podcast, Mr. of Cardinals Tuck on the Web. Let's move on to make our predictions for this game. Picks and predictions next. That's coming up on Rise Up Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red Podcast, best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Talking with Will McFadden from the Believe in Falcons podcast. I contribute over at the Falcoholic SB Nations there, Atlanta Falcons site, almost at Arizona Cardinals site, because that's what I'd say with, with Seth, my co-host. And so uh, looking to this game, um, this is, I, I will say honestly, with Connor coming back, with Kyler coming back, uh, the juice that there's going to be at the home stadium with Kyler's return, this is, I view it for the Cardinals as a, I don't think, I, I, I predict a Cardinals win, but I think more because of the scenario, because if you don't, if the Cardinals can't win a game like this with Kyler back, then you're looking at, Got on the road to Houston. You've got at home against the Rams. Who, who, if they've got Matthew Stafford back, you have to wonder when are those wins coming. And you give, we think, I think, that the Cardinals are going to win some games with Kyler at quarterback. And this one is one of those possibilities. But let's hear what what you got. What what are your thoughts on how this game will actually play out? I think it'll be close. I, I totally agree with what you said kind of at the beginning of the podcast where the Cardinals have been a good, bad team. You know, they, they have played even in the games that they've kind of gotten blown week, out. Look except at, last week. That was horrific. Not, that they was were a bad, t- bad team. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. They, they were a good God team. Last <laughs> week. <laughs> yes, exactly what they were last week. Um, so, I mean, if you, if you kind of take that and you take also Atlanta's, uh, propensity to just be in these one score games that come down to the wire, right? Like that, that's a little bit of a, uh, a design and not a flaw of Atlanta's, I think system is, is they like to have these games go down to the wire where if you just execute better in the fourth quarter, then you're going to emerge, uh, the victor. And so for that reason, I I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a, scrappy ugly game at times because that's just what the Falcons play but I I do think you know Taylor Heineke said this week and I it raised a little a uh, few eyebrows I think around the city just because of the the game that he invoked but he, he said that this week was kind of like a Super Bowl week for the the Falcons right they they're at four and five they've got the bye week and then they've got a seven game sprint kind of to the end but a lot of people externally they are pointing the finger at Arthur Smith they are ready for him out of here they have had it with kind of his offense, his way of doing things. They just, I think they want a little bit more ISO ball. They want to see somebody just cook. They want to have, you know, an incredible player who's just taking the league by storm. And that's not what this offense is. This offense is designed to wear teams down, get them into the fourth quarter and then make their hay. So for that reason, I I think the Falcons will win solely because like they have to win this game. You know, the Cardinals, (laughs) 
you guys are still in in the the Caleb Williams in the yeah, you know Cardinals Drake May like all of, exactly like there's still a carrot at the stick whether or not you're you know one and sixteen or you turn this around and you're nine and seven or whatever. But I I just think that there's more on the line for Atlanta. So I think this is going to be something like twenty seven twenty three Falcons. Um, I think that the Cardinals will get their plays. Not I'm not even necessarily opposed to thinking that they're going to be leading like 23 20 with six minutes left in the fourth quarter it's just i think the falcons will find a way to get something done here on the road because frankly they have to that makes sense um look at this game how many how, how many turnovers are there in this game do you think Ooh, that's a good question i huh um you know i think it'll either be like <laughs> this is <laughs> It's like, it's either going to be surprisingly a lot or surprisingly little. <laughs> uh, there's uh man. There's a, yeah, there's a quote. Um, I'm not even, cause I'm not even going to get it right, but I think there will be, I'll say like three turnovers. I'm okay. just going to go right so, in the middle of so that number with three. Yeah. So you're guessing that if, with you saying a Falcons win, it'll be one turnover for the Falcons and two for the Cardinals. I think so. But I, I wouldn't even, you know, they beat Tampa Bay turning the ball over three times. Right. It's just that's going to be a lower scoring game because the Falcons have been moving the ball offensively. It's just they've not been scoring points. So I could even see it being two Atlanta turnovers and one for Arizona and them still finding a way to to get things done. But, yeah, I I think it'll be kind of a one and two type of deal. I I have this game at 24 20 Cardinals, and I think it comes down to the wire like like in a in a perfect world. It would be a Kyler Kyler Murray late fourth quarter winning drive to bring you know kyler's magic um <laughs> that's but your could, storybook ending yes yes i could also see a scenario this is where my co-host seth cox predicted that it would be you know the falcons with the ball trying to do it and turn the ball over in that it'll be a, a taylor Maybe. heineke mistake towards the end of the game that'll and, and and honestly those the turnovers happen in that scenario because that's your when you're playing from behind you yep. have to try things, and then I can kind of do that. But uh, I think is probably there's going to be multiple turnovers by someone. And, yeah, I do think this is going to be a, a really intriguing game. The Cardinals with Connor in the lineup um, averaged 22 points a game. Cardinals with no Connor, the four games that he missed, 10.6 points a game. And so, <laughs> you know, if anything else, like when, when Josh Dobbs looked pretty good, it was with Connor in the line at the moment he was out. That was when the the floor, like the, he went from playing near his ceiling to playing very, very badly. And then on top of that, and Imara DiMarcado, their undrafted rookie out of TCU, he was hurt. And the run game was still steady. DeMar, DiMarcado's probably out this week, but like last week, that was the, it was the perfect storm of crap. Because you got Clayton Toon, first NFL start against the number one defense in the NFL, and two running backs that have a career um, at rushing average of under three yards a carry. Keontae Ingram and Tony Jones. That was it was bad. They had thir- <laughs> they had thirteen rushing yards on sixteen rushing attempts that weren't Clayton Toon scrambles. They're designed runs, thirteen yards and sixteen carries, and I think that changes this week. So now, um, if we're picking sacks. Um, how many times do you think Atlanta gets Kyler? How many times do you think the Cardinals get Heineke? I think Atlanta will get Kyler twice. And I think, I think the Cardinals will get Heineke 
I'm also going to say twice. Ah. You know, I, I, I don't think sacks are going to be the reason that this game gets out of hand one way or the, unless there's like a strip sack or a, a sack fun. But I think you'll see the Falcons do a good job of harassing Kyler Murray when he gets out of the pocket. I don't know if that's going to necessarily lead to a bunch of sacks. And then offensively, I, I think this will be a game that Atlanta, you know, I, I mentioned Zayvon Collins. I mentioned um, kind of my fear there, but I, I think this will be a game where Atlanta's offensive line does kind of get things going in the right direction. And who do you think has who do who do you think ends up with more rushing yards? Um, Connor, Algier, or Bijan? I think it'll be Connor because there's just one of him. Right. Right. If if you were gonna add up the the total, but I, I will say of the Falcons guys, I I think you'll see Tyler Algier with more rushing yards. I wouldn't be shocked though if Bijan Robinson is like the team's leading receiver. I think you'll see them because there's a nice it's prop. Been... There's a nice prop for Bijan at uh, three and a half. I think it's plus. I'll have to pull that up because that's was the prop for that that Seth gave me. Uh, it was it. Is it like with both of them or just Bijan? It's just uh, Bijan it... uh, over three and a half receptions. Oh, take the over all day on that. And I think it had it was it had juiced. It was and it's plus one thirty. So that's a really that's some juicy that's a juicy odds yeah. right there. <laughs> I would I would take that unless they're unless they're thinking like Buddha is going to be kind of shot. But even that, like I I would take the over on that in a heartbeat because there's been a lot made of Bajan Robinson's usage, especially down in the red zone. Like he is as much a receiver in this offense as he is a running back. And given the Tyler Algiers ability to run in between the tackles, and that's kind of where I think the Cardinals defense is maybe most susceptible that. That is where I think you'll see Tyler Algier get the handoffs up the middle. Bajan is going to kind of work out in the flats, maybe work on some of those angle K routes and and just be a, a more equipped receiver in this game. So I, I like James Conner to, to lead them all on the ground, but then I'll split mine with the Falcons there. And one last one, more passing yards, Kyler Murray, Taylor Heineke. I'll say Taylor Heineke in this one. Um, I, I have felt like the Falcons... Honestly, since kind of the the Tampa Bay game, um, after their their win against Houston, they went on the road, and and that was the first time where the Falcons moved the ball just up and down the field, and they just couldn't punch the ball in the end zone. And Taylor Heineke, like I said, I I think he brings a higher floor. I think he's got a nice command of, of this passing offense, and I just keep waiting for this Falcons offense to put one game together where they are scoring the ball, where they are moving the ball, and, and just waiting for them to put like 38 up on somebody, because I think that's there. Again, I, that's not my score prediction for this game. You heard it. Uh, I, I just think that maybe Taylor Heineke can tap into that a little bit more and, and throw the ball around. And with that, we will wrap up this edition of the Rise Up Seaward podcast, Best of Cardinals Talk on the web. Episode 485, we've been talking to Will McFadden from the Believe in Falcons podcast and also over at the SB Nation's The Falcoholic. You can find Will on the network that I still call Twitter, at Will McFadden, um, and as part of the Believe Network over there we'll appreciate your time um and of course you can also catch his work over on the falcoholic which you can you'll find that site along with Seth's site on the sb nations uh 300 plus site of team sites and blogs over there uh sb nation which was my former home my former home long time ago uh for for my writing stuff so will thanks for coming on i really appreciate it and with that we will seth and i will be back to talk on tuesday night you guys will hear it on wednesday uh when it drops um, hopefully talking about, we'll see what happens, whether it's a Cardinals win, whether it's a disappointment, how good Kyler Murray is. Thanks for listening. We will be back again soon.
Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. 